What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? No, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. It is Monday morning, and this is Fantasy Football Today, and we are telling you who we're not drafting. Ten players that we are not drafting at cost. We also have some pretty big running back news. Jonathan Taylor, two Seahawks running backs. What's the deal in those situations? And football is back this week. Thursday, the Hall of Fame game. Pretty sweet. Now, that's all well and good, but we're also going to tell you today about the Fantasy Football Today Open, which is going to be amazing. And you'll learn about it soon. I'm Adam Azer with Heath Cummings and Jamie Eisberg. Heath, you have the face of someone who is really looking forward to the Fantasy Football Today Open. I cannot wait for the Fantasy Football Open. Like, I am so fired up by the Baked Burger Dynasty League startup draft. <laughs> like, I just want to draft all of the teams all of the time. Please give me a draft to do every single day from now until the season starts. No, don't be like, this is something that we're all very excited about. We're going to No, I'm saying, for real. Oh, okay, okay. Right, I want to draft every day. Can't ever tell with this guy. Jamie, um, crazy weekend with NFL news. But before we get yeah. to that, why don't you guys just give me... Just give me one player that you're not that you're it's on your do not draft list list at cost, and give me thirty seconds on that player. Jamie, go ahead. The the biggest thing you said there is at cost because I'm not drafting Patrick Mahomes at number twelve overall. I would love to have Patrick Mahomes on my fantasy team, obviously, but to take him at the end of the first round, and this is a one quarterback draft that we're talking about. I'll, you get him at twelve in a super flex or two quarterback league. That's a steal of steals. But uh, I just think to take him. In the first round, when there's clearly some potential of Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts being better, I would rather wait that out and not take a chance on Mahomes at 12. All right, Heath, how about you give me one player that's on your do not draft list that current ADP? I think most of the quarterbacks were, but I think it's we we're going to talk about news and I, one of the things that that I the changes I made just this morning, um, like I'm not drafting Joe Burrow as the fourth quarterback. I'm not drafting Joe Burrow as the fifth quarterback. 
I'm not drafting Joe Burrow as the sixth quarterback. He's behind Justin Herbert now at QB7 for me. Right now, In uh, according to cost, he's at pick 27 as the fourth QB. And hopefully, like I do think there's a chance that we get to the end of the year and we're like, ha-ha, remember when people downgraded Joe Burrow because of a, a training camp injury? But calf injuries linger, and I just don't think there's any reason with the other elite options we have at quarterback to be taking him that high any longer. So the ADP that we we have been using is from NFC, and in the month of July, there's almost 200 drafts at this point. I just want to see where Burrow is going in the last three days. So he was 27th overall in the month of July. In the last three days, he's 36th overall. Um, I, don't I think just he's... ran a Twitter poll this morning um, asking, you're on the clock in redraft today. Are you drafting Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert? It's 48% Burrow, 44% Herbert. Ugh, and then the other people are too gutless to say anything. So They're they click sure. see results. <laughs> uh, all right, well, look, yeah, let's get into the news and notes now. And, uh, you know, I was going to start with the running backs. We might as well just stay on Burrow here. You obviously have moved him down a little bit. Uh, you're behind Justin Herbert. And uh, how about you, Jamie? Because uh, one report from Mike Garofolo of NFL Network says that a week one, one return should be realistic for Joe Burrow. Have you moved him down? I have not, and actually I moved him up right before the, the injury happened. I moved him ahead of Justin Fields from 6 to 5. I will probably readjust that, uh, but I can certainly see Justin Herbert going ahead of him. I mean, look, when, when you're looking at these seven guys, but I think really you separate them four through seven because the top three I think belong in a tier by themselves, Mahomes, Allen, and, and Hurts, then it's really I, I think you're nitpicking on who has the chance to be better because you know what Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields can do with their legs, and I and and that's not replicable by the other guys. And then you look at what you know Burrow and Herbert are going to do with their offenses throwing the ball. And if he's hurt and does miss any games, I mean, you know, we're we're expecting at this point week one. So if he's not going to miss any games, I don't think you should necessarily downgrade him. But like he said, you know, th- this is a soft tissue injury that could linger. You know, they might be a little bit more cautious with them early in the season because they definitely have Super Bowl aspirations. So. I can I can see passing on Burrow, certainly passing on McCost, and going with somebody else in that same tier. I I thought one of the things, Adam, that you got most right at quarterback last year was that Joe Burrow's second year off the injury should run more. And he did. He had five touchdowns instead of two. He had 250 yards instead of 114 from the year before. I'm not projecting him to miss any games right now. But as of right now, I wouldn't expect him to run as much as he did last year early in the year. Yeah. I guess I can't really say the history of people with calf injuries and if they run, well, I don't know. But it's a good point. He, you know, he was somewhat of a factor. He did have, what, you said five rushing touchdowns. It's kind of mm-hmm. probably a little bit high, I would think. Um, <clears throat> right. But, uh, okay. So, Burrow, if you consider him in that tier and you're nervous about him, then I could certainly make sense. You could drop him down, and Jamie gave you the other end of that. Um, but also you could sit here and you could say, hey, if I like a guy and he just got injured in July, six weeks before the season starts, that could be a great thing. So maybe that's the case for Jonathan Taylor, who may or may not be injured. We don't really know. Um, but certainly, Doesn't sound like it. <laughs> according to him, no. But, yeah. but you know, there, I did see one report that said he was legitimately injured, and that's why he was on the pup list, that it wasn't because of the contract. He's, so Jonathan Taylor has requested a trade. And they say he had a back injury, and, and they might put him on a non-football injury list. Uh, and it looks a little ugly right now, at least from the outside, with Colts and Taylor. And then you got the Seattle situation. 
if you like Ken Walker, if you like Zach Charbonnet, you say buy the dip. You know, this is a this is a time where people are going to be maybe a little nervous to draft them, and you might be able to take advantage of that. But um, Jamie, you can go first um, on Taylor. What do you think about Jonathan Taylor right now? Well, when you say uh, legitimately injured, I, I think that's the ankle. You know, what yes. the, the story that came out last night was that he has a back injury, and that might put him on the NFI list, which means, you know, we're getting very technical here from an NFL standpoint, but they could not have to pay him for the 2023 season, which would just allow his um, years of service to accrue, and, and he'd be back for 2024 at the same price. Uh, I, I, It's messy. It's obviously messy. You know, so... Uh, is a team going to trade for him? It's it's so difficult at this point based on salary cap because they're going to have to pay him, I think, if you trade for him. Well, you're just going to put him in, a, in, in the same situation. Uh, I would think for people who are drafting, he's no longer a first-round pick. He just there's, there's too much risk attached to it right now. And I think it's even hard to say he's an early second-round pick. So I've dropped him to the back half of round two. Um, I think you just got to almost put him in the same scenario as Josh Jacobs. Just There's, there's uncertainty. There's questions uh, until we get some answers. It's easy to pass on him. And then again, like you said, Adam, you, you get him at the right cost. That's when you sort of jump into it. So anything I think after, you know, around pick 20th overall, uh, I'm willing to buy both those guys because um, there's still the same upside if they get their situation settled. But I think right now there's just some question marks. And that's why I think you just maybe go a different direction when you're talking about the first 15 to 20 overall picks. I do think I'm more concerned about Taylor than I am Jacobs, at least for now, just because of the weirdness of Jim Irsay and like him publicly talking about so much of this stuff. And then the, whatever the leak was with the back injury and Taylor coming out and saying, I don't have a back injury. I never said my back hurt. Like it's, it seems more acrimonious. Um, and so that one worries me a little bit more, but I haven't downgraded Jacobs yet. So I'll probably downgrade Taylor a little bit today. Definitely not in round one. Um, still think the most likely outcome for both of these guys is they're going to play week one. And, and I think in terms of, of Taylor, look, he's not good, but it's not a bad idea. I did this in, in, in a dynasty league over the weekend. I picked up Zach Moss. He was just sitting there. You know, if you're able to make ad drops right now, why not? Now Evan Hall is going to have an opportunity. He's their fifth-round rookie. Um, we'll see if Deion Jackson gets a chance. But we saw last year that Zach Moss in a terrible situation, and we know he's not great. Um, volume matters, and and I'm sure they're going to run the ball still a lot. Oh boy, did we have some fun, Zach Moss? Should I start Zach Moss or this guy in my fantasy playoffs late last year? I don't even remember. All right, let's see. He scored. He had 24 carries for 81 yards at the Vikings. He had 12 carries for 65. Remember that yards. game? Well, that was the game Taylor got hurt. Oh, that was the biggest comeback in football history. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then fantasy championship against the Giants, 15 carries for 74 yards. So he, he got work, and then he didn't do anything really with it until the play, until week 18, which didn't count for anyone. 18 carries, 114 yards, and a touchdown against the Texans, and three catches for seven yards. They did not throw to him. He had uh, four catches on the year. Uh, no, in that stretch, he had four catches after the Taylor injury. Okay. Um, for the Seahawks, so... All right, Heath, break it down. Ken Walker has a groin injury. They're calling him week to week. Zach Charbonnet out indefinitely with a shoulder injury. And your thoughts? I'm moving both of them down. I think one of the things I said, like, back in January or February when we did our things we learned from last season, I said, I'm going to stop ignoring injuries so much. 
And so I'm going to remain true to that. I already said it with Burrow. I'll I'll be dry. I was already so low on Walker that there was no chance that I was going to draft him in redraft. Um, I think Charbonnet now you can't take before probably round 11 or 12. And Walker, I can't imagine taking before round seven. Oh, but if I could get Ken Walker in round seven, I'd I'd be thrilled with that because I remember two seasons ago, I think it was DeAndre Swift had a preseason injury. There, that's the thing. That's I think I want to make that point. Like there, some of these guys who are hurt are going to be fine by week one, and you're you're gonna you're gonna be wrong. Yeah. But some of these guys who are hurt are going to have terrible 2023 seasons. Yeah, um, but I think you're 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 factoring it in by taking him in round seven. Like if you're taking him still in round four or five, that that doesn't yeah. I think help that doesn't help justify the 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 injury. Clearly, you, you don't want to take an injured player, but I, yeah. I I think it at it it just it, it's same thing like Taylor. You know, if they fall you at the right price, like how do you not take a chance on them being healthy and them being the the type of player that they can be? The difference for me would be like if they said Charbonnet is going to go on IR, then I would I would agree. I have pretty big concerns that when both of these guys are healthy. Ken Walker's going to turn into a trap back. I think Charbonnet is probably going to be better in the passing game, and he's probably going to be better in short yardage. I, I I don't necessarily disagree, but I think if you tell me Charbonnet is going on IR, Ken Walker is probably a second round pick as opposed to a right. seventh round pick. Well, yeah. If he's healthy, yes. But I I mean, you tell me one guy has a shoulder injury, one guy has a groin injury. Obviously, I have no idea, but I'd rather if I had a guy on my fantasy team, I'd rather him have a shoulder injury. And um, my yes. concern with Walker is that. He doesn't that Charbonnet comes back next week. Walker's out until the, the third or fourth week of the preseason, and Charbonnet makes a lot of inroads there. And I, you know, yeah, I, I I'm a believer it, in Walker, though. I like I, I'm a little bit right. different than you. I'm a, I believe in him. I, I mean, obviously, I, don't, I you can't justify like what we were thinking, maybe first round pick before the NFL draft. But I just think he's awesome. Um, but yeah, he's, I mean, this, he's really concerned. good at the things that we like. He is the type of player who often fantasy managers like more than coaches. Do. I, I don't. I don't. I'm not putting that label on him. You're. I. I understand why you're saying that. He was boomer right. busty on a carry by carry. Not basis. just that, but also he's not a guy who's been good on passing downs. Yeah, I mean, right. If you look at Seattle running backs, I and mean, how many of them have been good on passing downs? Like, well, I mean, I. I the biggest thing is what the team has told us. Right. They they told us that there was something that they were missing that they were willing to invest a second round pick for the second year in a row on that same position. Yeah, I, I get that. But he he was phenomenal last year. He was. And but he I did still it think, with little competition. I, no, I understand. I, competition. I, I, I understand. I think I think, you know, before this, a few days ago, you can't you couldn't draft him before the fourth round, hopefully the fifth round. But you tell me I can get him in the seventh round with his talent. You know, I could see that really hitting, like really paying off. Well, you drafted him in our dynasty league. I did, and and you did it knowing that this could be a problem for the next three seasons. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it could be. I, I'm not going to talk too much about our dynasty league, but um, I don't remember when I drafted him. Maybe like the fifth round or something like that in a Here, start. I have it up. Dynasty um, league. Why don't you want to talk about? Because Heath is going to win. No, it just we got sidetracked here, but. Um, you know, I, I think there there's history of of running backs being drafted and not having as big a role as we thought, especially you know even in the second round and even for Seattle, they drafted Rashad Penny in the first round and they had Chris Carson 
And it's not like Penny just came in and took the job. I, he he didn't even. I don't even know if he got hurt that year, or maybe he did later. Uh, I in the think year. it's a pretty safe bet. <laughs> he definitely but he got didn't, hurt. He didn't. <laughs> I, I don't think he got hurt early. I think he just didn't win the job. So he might have been hurt in camp. Uh, you oh, took you true. took him at a good spot. You took him in round five. Um, again, it's debatable who who's better, but uh, you guys could probably talk this out, and this this might matter to redraft leagues as well. You took Ken Walker in round five. Keith, one, two, three, five picks later, took Damian Pierce in round six. And so they're the same year of service. Uh-huh. So you're getting the same amount of you know potential time on their rookie deals because that's really what matters for these guys at this point. So, Heath, would you have considered in, in this draft, in a dynasty league, Walker or Pierce? Walker over Pierce? Yes. Um, like I like Pierce a little better this year, but I think Walker probably has more longevity than Pierce does. Um, but yeah, that's those guys are right in the same range for me, both high end number two running backs for dynasty purposes. If they were 100% healthy, I would probably take Walker. All right, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I, dra- I would I, take Pierce also. I drafted him before the injury, uh, Ken right. Walker. Yeah, you, I mean, clearly, yeah. All right, so listen, well, I gotta get through the rest of the notes. Here. Actually, you didn't because he's been dealing with this, just reported because he uh, missed a couple practices before this happened. Uh, the Rams, uh, running back Sony Michelle is retiring. Is it Sonny? Sony Michelle. I don't know if I said that name right. Kyler Murray says there's no timetable for his return. He didn't rule out week one, but still no timetable. Justin Fields signed someone's baby. That was interesting. Someone held their baby up and he signed the jersey. It was kind of cute. Ezekiel Elliott visited the Patriots. Ty Montgomery is injured right now for the Patriots. Perhaps was going to be their third down back. So he's dealing with something. I, I think the day before he got hurt, they changed his designation. They had him listed as a running back slash wide receiver. And that day before he got hurt, they changed it to just wide receiver, and they said the whole that day he just took snaps with the wide receiver. So I don't know if that matters or not, but okay, it certainly matters for Pierre Strong. Uh, the Dolphins signed cornerback Eli Apple with Jalen Ramsey out until December. Two Giants wide receivers came off the pup list: Sterling Shepard and Jamison Crowder. Sterling Shepard had uh, ten targets in two of three games last year. And over the last four seasons, when Daniel Jones has been on the field, Sterling Shepard is at a 23.4% target share. Uh, does anybody care about that? Yes. Okay. Yeah, they have 45 slot receivers, and this is the one that Daniel Jones loves the most. <laughs> like, seriously, can you list all the slot wide receivers on the Giants? Well, I said two of them. Shepard, Crowder, Paris Campbell, uh, 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 Wandale Robinson. <laughs> There's more, aren't there? Maybe Jalen Hyatt could play the Cole Beasley. That's right. Uh, yeah, no, that's too many. DeAndre Swift has been used mostly in the passing game so far. Panay Sewell, Detroit offensive tackle, he's in the concussion that, protocol. Yeah. I think that's terrible news if that's the case. Oh, for Swift? Like, if it's Rashad Penny on early downs and DeAndre Swift in the passing game, I think that's really bad news for Swift. Yes. Is it bad news for A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard, Devontae Smith? No. I don't think so. Uh, it just depends. I mean, I don't think it's like dropped them in any draft boards, but I, I do think that, look, they didn't throw to Miles Sanders last year, and they just may not value Miles Sanders in the passing game. They may value significantly DeAndre Swift in the passing game, and that's just a new wrinkle of what those offense could look like. They had the fewest running back targets in the NFL last year. Uh, and Dallas tight end Luke Schoonmaker is dealing with a foot injury. Is anybody drafting a Dallas tight end? In redraft? Uh, I would. I mean, I did this in the fishbowl. I think if you're in a tight end premium league, Jake Ferguson. I'm, I mean, I, that's one of the other thing I'm adjusting today. It sounds like Ferguson is uh, quite a ways ahead for that role. So, yeah, I had them kind of splitting the targets. All right. 
uh, last time I'm telling you, because this is the last day to vote, nominate us on podcastawards.com. Just go to podcastawards.com, sign up, put your email address in, takes 30 seconds, and then we're nominated or we're, we're up to be nominated at People's Choice, Best Male Hosted Podcast, and Best Sports Podcast. Please, please, please get Fantasy Football Today to the next round. Jamie and Heath, we need better retweeting out of you as I tweet this again today. I, I mean, I have been retweeting. I told, I told, I quote tweeted one time and said, "Vote for Adam for best male host." <laughs> like, I don't know what else you want from me. More quote tweeting. Um, all right, FFT and FFT in five, Monday through Friday, all this week. We're gonna have a bonus mailbag as well. We've got the new Dynasty show, Fantasy Football Today Dynasty. It's got its own feed. Please check it out. Hosted by Heath Cummings. Go ahead and subscribe to that podcast, Fantasy Football Today Dynasty. Episodes record on Tuesday. You can watch all of it, this show and that show, on youtube.com slash Today. Speaking of YouTube, we are going to start our YouTube-exclusive mock drafts this week. Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Um, I might try to make that. Eh, fine, I'll keep it at 8 p.m. Tuesday night at 8 p.m., we're going to have a live mock draft. YouTube only. YouTube.com slash Fantasy Football Today. And Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern, a, an auction. We're doing an auction at Thursday at 1. Be there for it. Uh, YouTube.com slash Fantasy Football Today. Last thing I'm going to promote. I know this is a lot, but this is the big one here. All right? Hope you didn't fast forward. We're starting the Fantasy Football Today Open. What is it? It's a new kind of podcast league, kind of Scott Fishbowl style. It's going to raise $20,000-ish for St. Jude, and you're going to be a part of it if you want. We've got eight different leagues, 12-team leagues. There's a Jamie league. There's a Heath league, an Adam league, a Chris league, a Dave league, a Jacob league, a Schneier league, and a Sia, Sia Najad league. All right? We're all going to be in our leagues we got 11 spots open. So you can go to eBay on Thursday. I'll give you more details as we get closer. We're going to put them all out on Thursday. You can go to eBay, and you can pick. I want to be in the Heath League. I want to be in the Asia League. I want to be in the Jamie League. I want to be in the Sia League, whatever it is. We got 88 spots available. You compete against your league for the first 15 weeks. The winner advances. Then you got eight champion league, Champions League, basically. You got eight people competing. We narrow it down to four. We narrow it down to one. You win the Fantasy Football Today Open. But it's super cool. We're so excited. And again, we're going to raise over $20,000. It's $250 to join. Every spot. You don't have to bid. It's not highest bid. It's just you pay $250. You can be in multiple leagues if you want. You cannot have two teams in the same league. There is no trading. There will be no collusion. And we're all going to be the commissioners of our league. And we can't wait to do it. So get ready for that. That's coming out on Thursday, the Fantasy Football Today Open. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, 10 players we're avoiding based on their ADP. We'll be right back. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, here we go. Ten players to avoid based on ADP. And this is current ADP from July 1st through July 30th. 
on NFC. So, Jamie, I, it's not that I disagree with you, that you say you're avoiding Patrick Mahomes at 12 overall, but it is my job to play devil's advocate. So here's my, you said, you said it to start the show, Mahomes was one guy you're avoiding 12th overall. Here's my devil's advocate. You say, I'm not going to take him because Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen could be just as good. Well, if you have the 12th overall pick, you're not getting Hurts or Allen at the 36th pick. Right? At ADP. But you're not. You're either taking. No, one no, of yeah, those, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you're not you're getting right. that. You're taking one of those three quarterbacks there. Or you're not getting one of those three. Correct. I'll tell you the top twenty picks from 2022. Top twenty from from last year: Taylor, McCaffrey, Eckler, Henry, Jefferson, Cup. That's pretty good. Najee, Dalvin Cook, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Swift, Stephon Diggs, Aaron Jones, Saquon Barkley. Kelsey, Lamb, Chubb, Debo. In that top 20, I gave you Jonathan Taylor. I gave you Cup, who got hurt. Najee Harris, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones, Lamb. Uh, no, I'll, I'll leave him out. Debo. Mahomes was clearly more valuable than all those guys. I think you could say that Mahomes is, is going to be one of the 12 most valuable players. He's just safer than all those guys. There's going to be busts at the other positions. So my devil's advocate would be, yeah, sure, right now it looks better to take Garrett Wilson or Amon St. Brown or, or you know, Jonathan Taylor or whatever ahead of Mahomes. But at the end of the day, he's Mahomes. He's not going to be a bust. Some of those guys are definitely going to be a bust. So why wouldn't I just play it safe with Mahomes there? You definitely can play it safe. Uh, I'd love to see what happens to Mahomes. You say he's not going to be a bust if Kelsey got hurt, what that would look like with that receiving core. Um, so, you know, factoring injuries for the other guys because there's more susceptible to it. But what happens if he does lose his best receiver? I do think, though, that it's not necessarily what you do just with Mahomes. It's what you do with your 12th pick and then what that next spot you would be taking a quarterback in. So let's just say you want to get Justin Herbert, for example, who I think is going to have a much better season. Let's go back to the 26 points per game that he averaged his first two years as opposed to the 19 points per game he averaged last year. So let's put him back in that range. And then you're saying you're getting who, who's, at, who's at 12 on ADP, so I'm not reaching here? Because I would say C.D. Lamb or Stephon Diggs, that spot? Uh, yeah, St. Brown, Jonathan Taylor, Barkley, Adams. Lamb, and, Lamb is 10 or 11. Diggs is 9. I don't think you're getting him. Okay, so you want to say um, uh, let's go A.J. Brown. So A.J. Brown, is there or no? Yep. Okay, so A.J. Uh, well, Brown and yes, Justin. Yes, he is. He's once, yes. Okay, yes. so A.J. Brown and Justin Herbert versus Patrick Mahomes. And who, who's in the same spot as Herbert? Uh, that's a good question. How, are you Godwin? Want, you want a position? Oh, that's Khalil Herbert. We want Justin Herbert. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, Amari Cooper, Brees Hall, Travis Etienne. Okay, so go Amari Cooper. So do you feel better about Patrick Mahomes and Amari Cooper or A.J. Brown and Justin Herbert? I would take A.J. Brown and Justin Herbert, personally. I think I'd take Mahomes and Cooper. That's a good question. Uh, you could definitely find a combo there where I'd say yeah. I'd rather have Herbert and A.J. Brown, though. I'm just, I'm just trying to be with what's realistic. So, I'm, I'm, And that's what I would do. I would I'd rather take the, the top-end receiver and, and the, the next tier of quarterbacks. Okay. Okay. Uh, Heath, you had Joe Burrow on this list. And I think we, you know what, we can skip him. Um, but we talked about him earlier, and that was based on his ADP at 27th overall. Heath now has him at QB7, the last in that Did, tier. I was wondering, Adam, because you, I think you were pretty strongly, I know Dave was too, so it might be better to ask him, but you were Burrow at four over Fields and Jackson, right? 
in like six I, point. I think me dropping him to seven behind Herbert's probably further than most people are going to go. But would you drop him behind Fields and Jackson now? Because uh, those guys were kind of in a we, we kind of discussed those guys being there was a top three tier and there was the next yeah, three tier. Not Jackson. Uh, Fields. Yeah, I think that's fair. I like Fields better than Jackson. But wow, interesting. Again, I I yeah, I almost don't want to say this out loud. Because there's some opinions that I have that I don't feel super confident in. I'm just not a Lamar Jackson guy. I think there's going to be. That's an not anything. I mean, people who have listened to this podcast for the last few years know that. Well, I think I think it's been sort of justified the last couple of years with the way he's yeah. performed. I, I I can't deal with the roller coaster, but I also just think there's going to be an adjustment period for him in a completely different offense. So, um, yeah, I'd still I'd still take Burrow over him. Honestly, I'd probably take Burrow over Fields. He's got six weeks to recover from this, so. He had the appendectomy almost the same exact time last year, and he ended up as QB4. He got off to a slightly slow start. So this is a calf strain. I understand that it could come back, and there's that in, there's that issue. But it's, I can't sit here and say he's a bigger injury risk than Fields and Jackson. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go ahead and keep him at QB4. Okay. Uh, but let's talk about DK Metcalf, who's going 28th overall and is just a really interesting player. And I think you both share this sentiment that you don't want to take him 28th overall in the third round. And Heath, you can have the first word on Metcalf. Yeah, and I don't know if you can look to where he is at wide receiver, but one of the things, like, it's tough to know which training cap videos and hype to pay attention to, but considering what JSN did at Ohio State with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave on the same team, um, his start to camp has been pretty remarkable. Just about everybody in Seattle says he's been the most impressive player at camp the first week. I said this six months ago, maybe, um, probably not three months ago, that I that it's not shouldn't be surprising if JSN is the best wide receiver on this team at the end of this year. And I think it's going to be very difficult for Metcalf to come close to justifying this if JSN's even like even with these guys. So it's just, I, it's, you can really get into some danger worrying too much about too many mouths to feed because one of Lockett or DK or JSN could get hurt and then both guys could go to the moon. But I don't want to draft anybody from this offense in the first three rounds, really. I think maybe that would change, maybe, if there were serious injuries to Walker and Charbonnet, but it is early. You know, yeah. I don't know if that would affect anything for you, but... I mean, even without JSN, how many times, probably just once, Metcalf's been worth a pick in the first 27 picks, right? Yeah, his second season. Um, I, I think statistically, I don't know if you agree with this, there was every reason to believe that DK Metcalf was going to bounce back. He had terrible touchdown luck. He yep. had a strange stat where his yak per catch was super low when it had been extremely consistent in his first three seasons. It just seemed like he had an unlucky year, but then mm -hmm. they drafted JSN. And it was like, okay, well, I can't really make, I don't know if I could make that argument anymore. And Jamie, you share this sentiment, right? And if we look at this ADP, Devontae Smith, Chris Olave, T. Higgins, seems like that's sort of a tier that people have decided on in the, in the early third round. Smith, Olave, Higgins. Well, this ADP puts, the, puts DK Metcalf firmly in that tier because the next wide receiver is seven picks later. So you don't think he should go here either, right? No, I mean, you know, the hope would be is that, you know, maybe some of the, 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 the touchdown regression is what saves him. But 
you know, he's going to see lesser coverage, lighter coverage, you know, with all these guys on the field that they're doing what they're capable of doing, you know, and then you're asking Geno Smith to, you know, perform like he did last year again, which I think he's capable of. But it's just, again, a lot of mouth to feed in this offense that is still going to be a run-heavy offense as long as everybody's healthy. So, yeah, I think it's just a little too soon to draft DK Metcalf. I, I, we had this draft a few weeks ago where I think I told you I was purposely deciding to go running back heavy, and I ended up with DK Metcalf in round five after going three running backs and Mark Andrews. And I was thrilled with that. But to take him in round three or even round four for me is just too soon. So let me lump him in with the next guy off the board in ADP, but all the way, as I said, uh, seven picks later, Debo Samuel. So Jamie, you wanted him on this list as player as a player that you're not drafting at cost, and that's a round three, four turn pick. By the way, if you're watching on YouTube, please hit the like button. Um, you can see where we have DK Metcalf ranked. You'll see Debo Samuel as well. But Jamie, why are you not drafting Debo Samuel? Heath, you asked earlier, where are these guys among wide receivers? Metcalf right now is wide receiver 15. Debo is wide receiver 16. Jamie, Debo. and I think he, I, I think it might have changed because when I last looked last night, or at least what I thought I saw was that he was at 33 overall. So he's dropped a couple spots. But um, round three is just too soon for me for Debo Samuel. You know, we saw last year what the, the target share was when everybody was healthy. More importantly, we saw what the, the carries were when Christian McCaffrey joined the team. And what you're hoping for, I don't think he's going to be as bad as he was last year. We was at 13, you know, PPR points per game. Uh, I think he'll be closer to probably 15 or 16. But, you know, you're, you're still asking him to be that guy that he was two seasons ago when I think that's the enigma. You know, that's the exception. I don't think he's going to get back to that because I just think there's, again, if everybody stays healthy, Brandon Ayuk is somebody that's going to command targets. George Kittle is obviously going to command targets. You now have this running back out of the backfield that we haven't seen really in this offense ever for Kyle Shanahan. You know, the most receptions was, I think, like 53 or 55 from Carlos Hyde the first year that Kyle Shanahan was there. So all these guys commanding targets, touches, and you, you're, you're also dealing with a quarterback coming off a significant elbow injury while he's expected to be fine. What does that mean? Is he back to exactly where he was pre-injury, or is it going to take some time for him to get back to being completely 100%? So target share is a problem. Run-first offense still is a problem. Uh, him not being the guy that's getting those, those carries as much anymore, I just you know, feel like round three is too soon for Debo Samuel. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much okay with where he's going. I think the target share issue is probably a bigger if we're basing it on last year, and that doesn't necessarily mean that's what's going to happen again. It's probably a bigger concern for Ayuk and Kittle than it is for Debo. Um, like there was a game that that Debo only played 43 percent of the snaps. So if if you don't count that one, like the first five games he played with McCaffrey, he was averaging 7.8 targets per game. He was he was the clear number one in targets. And still had about three rush attempts a game. I don't. I agree with Jamie. He's not getting back to what he was two years ago. But if he was what he was two years ago, he should be a first round pick. Um, so I I think this is fine. And again, this is another one of those situations where if one of those guys, and it could be Debo who gets hurt, but if one of those guys gets hurt, then all of the too many mouths to feed concerns for all the other guys kind of go away. And it's also a, a a touchdown situation too. He only topped sixty receiving yards once in the games with Brock Purdy. It's interesting because he was Purdy's favorite target. You know? Well, but Purdy threw for like 200 yards a game. Mm, He's just what, like, what's going to change. Right. Well, if that's, if that's, yeah, I mean, that might be the case. Did he really only throw for 200 yards a game? Is that, I'll, uh, I'll get it exactly. Okay. I mean, cause I, cause he was pretty good. You know, he had two touchdowns every week was yeah. the thing. I was screaming. He's not going to keep having two touchdowns every week. And he just kept doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So Debo. Let me just give you these numbers. Like the seven regular season games that he played with McCaffrey, 
Azer stat week 14 when he played 43% of the snaps. Ah, <laughs> uh, forget it. There's too much Azer statting. Yeah, forget 218 it. yards per game. Yeah, that's the thing about the 49ers. Is there's so many relevant players that you have to... There's so many, well, this guy didn't play this game, and this guy didn't play this game, and this and that. And That's that's what concerns me is, like, we sit here, we, I don't like, you don't like Debo, but that's because everyone's healthy right now. But are McCaffrey and Kittle going to stay healthy? I mean, there's probably going to be some games where Debo doesn't have to deal with all that target share. Plus, as I said, he was... Purdy's favorite target because Purdy's got pretty limited arm strength, so he's not throwing the ball downfield. Well, just just put a, a caveat on that. Don't say don't like Debo. It's just don't like Debo cost. Yeah. So everybody loves Debo Sam. You can't get away with. We can't. You can't like this game and like NFL stuff without like, liking what Debo Samuel does. Do you like these guys better in fantasy? Keenan Allen, Amari Cooper, Jerry Judy, Calvin Ridley. I do, yes. Uh, I don't think I Keenan Allen, Amari Cooper, who else? Jerry Judy, Calvin Ridley. Uh Ridley, and when I update my rankings, Ridley is the only one who I'll have ranked ahead of Debo. Okay, so are you uh getting on the Ridley train? I the uh the, it was a really good route that they're showing <laughs> on the internet. So But no, but seriously, like, I think he is someone who you should probably pay a little bit more attention to that with because the only question like we know how good he was at his best. The only question was how long does it take him to get back to that? Yeah. No, that's fair. I mean, we identified when we did the potential training camp risers, we said he was the one that could be one of the biggest. That's Calvin Ridley. All right, we'll talk about Najee Harris now. And he's going 31st overall. Let me see where he's going. Najee Harris among running backs since July 1st. He is RB11. So that's right after Ramondre Stevenson, before Jameer Gibbs, Brees Hall. It's going to be before Joe Mixon, but I don't know if that's... I'll, I'll try to get a more recent data point for that. But, uh, Heath, you want to start on Najee Harris? Is he? Is this your guy, or is this Jamie's guy? Is it the, not draft? This is mine. This is the rare uh, back-to-back year bust call from me. Cause I, it was a bust last year, and I think he might be a bust again this year. I just... Like, there's reports, and I, we've talked about this. I get more concerned about negative reports than I get excited about positive reports because everybody's saying nice things. And there's reports about his own linebackers talking trash to him about he needs to get downfield. Um, I just don't – it's really not a good sign historically for a back to get as much work as early in his career as Najee Harris has and been this inefficient, both in the running game and in the passing game. Jalen Warren was better at almost everything last year, and I just don't know how much longer they're going to force-feed Najee Harris. Jamie, how much does the foot injury that he suffered just before the season started factor into your evaluation of Najee Harris? Because he was better. They had basically a mid-season bye week. It's like right in the middle. And he was better after that. Plus, they've operated their offensive line. I think there are reasons to be optimistic, but certainly Heath lays out very good reasons to be pessimistic. Your thoughts on Najee? No, I don't disagree. I, I, I think you got to factor it in. I, I think the offensive line will be better. The thing that saves Najee Harris a lot here is his coach and the history of what they do with their lead running back. You know, I mean, it's we, we've seen some, you know, I don't want to say necessarily bad seasons, but I mean, I guess you could say last year, bad season for Najee, and they stuck with him and stuck with him and stuck with him. You know, there was the story about Jalen Warren getting more work, and it really never materialized to the point where, you know, Najee was, was benched or even, you know, coming off the field for significant stretches. 
And we're hearing, you know, some more of that this year that they're going to put Jalen Warren on the field. You know, I think it was eight times last year, if I remember correctly, that they both played on the field together. You've heard some stories like that where they're going to, you know, have, you know, do some unique combinations. But we hear that a lot. You never really see it with running backs playing a ton together. So I think he's still going to be the workhorse, and that's kind of what saves him. You know, he's never going to get back to that passing game. At least, I don't want to say role, but numbers, just because Ben Roethlisberger was a statue, and Kenny Pickett's not that. You know, So he's not going to dump the ball off to him to the same degree like we saw in his rookie campaign. So if you could deal with some potential trap-back type of moments, then you'll understand what Najee Harris is. I think he's you know, a guy that sort of is, is, is in that mix of a healthy J.K. Dobbins, uh, uh, Damian Pierce, and Alexander Madison, Miles Sanders, you know, guys that you expect to get a lot of work. But just the you can see the the highs, you can see the lows, and just understand what you're dealing with here. You know, so this is this is kind of I, I think what I would put in the category of a dead zone running back if things fail. But you guys, are you just assuming that he's not going to be the passing downs back? I don't I don't want to say he's not going to be the passing downs back. I just don't think he's going to be the passing downs back to what people remember from his rookie campaign. So is he going to play on third downs? Yes. Is he going to play on every third down? Like typical Steelers running backs do? Probably not. I have him projected. I was going to see for like total number of uh, catches. I I don't think he's top 12. I think I have Warren projected for more. Okay. Um, I have Najee projected for 43 catches tied with Travis Etienne for 17th. So would you take him in round four? Would you take Najee Harris if he made it to you in round four? Yeah. Late, mid, mid to late. Okay. Would you take J.K. Dobbins or Najee Harris? Najee. Yeah, I, I, it's hard right now to have a lot of confidence in J.K. Dobbins. But I would take Miles Sanders over Najee Harris. Jamie, would you take Miles Sanders over Najee Harris? No, I would not, but I, I could certainly see the argument for it. Would you take Jameer Gibbs or Najee Harris? Gibbs and PPR, for sure. Uh, I've got Najee ahead of Gibbs. Would you t- Heath, would you take David Montgomery over Najee? I think I have him back-to-back. I think I have a Najee and then Montgomery. I've got Najee, Gibbs, Montgomery, back-to-back-to-back. All right. Uh, By the way, our position previews are starting this week. So we'll have our QB preview on Thursday, tight end on Friday. Next week, we'll be running backs and wide receivers. And we'll talk about a tight end after this quick break on FFT. George Kittle, 57th overall. This is someone, both of you agree, not going to draft George Kittle in round five? Heath, you agree? You're there. Oh yeah, I, yeah. That's uh, I, there's nobody on this list I disagree with. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, uh, Debo, you kind of did. Right. Yes, that nobody was remaining. nobody left. Nobody, nobody left that I disagree with. George Kittle, the one thing that just that yeah, I don't want to drop him 57th, but the one thing that just gets me with him is he's been top three per game in PPR five straight seasons. He just gets it done at the end of the day. But, Jamie, why is 57th too early for George Kittle? Again, target share. You know, I I think you look at what he was able to do when Debo Samuel was out last season versus when Debo Samuel was in in the games that Brock Purdy played, and it was fantastic. But then when when Samuel was there, it just was not the same. You know, touchdown spiked for him at the end of the season. You know, Heath was alluding to that, that Brock Purdy just kept finding the end zone. A lot of that was to George Kittle, and that's why I think Kittle – despite the fact that one guy's an Iowa guy, one guy's an Iowa State guy, that they still hmm. find a way to coexist and get along. I, I, I just think that if if everybody's healthy, and you said this, Adam, we, we just haven't seen that consistently from them, but that's Kittle as well, is that you know if if they're all there, 
is he going to be able to be as successful? So when you start to, again, nitpick these guys, and, and Kittle is in that, I think, you know, however you want to put Andrews, you know, second tier, first tier, whatever. Uh, but that next group of tight ends from Hawkinson, if you're looking at our YouTube page, but Hawkinson, Pitts, Goddard, Waller, and, and Kittle, I think all belong in the same tier. Uh, for me, he's at the bottom. And and I, I think it's just he's so good. He's so successful. You'll love drafting him. I don't have a problem drafting him. I just don't want to draft him here, and I don't want to draft him first. Did, did you give the stat on the games below 40 yards, Adam? Uh, yeah. So this over the last two seasons, George Kittle has played 35 games, including the postseason. And he has 40 or fewer yards in 20 of the 35 games. It, and seven of his last 10. Yeah, but he also has these huge games, 70 or more yards in 12 games. So the weirdest thing is in his last 40 games, oh no, I'm sorry, in his last 35 games, he only has three games where he's been between 41 and 69 yards. He's either below 40 or over 70 basically every time. It's That's strange. But anyway, yeah, yeah there had, are a lot of bad games, Heath. It's it's he, he had one he had one game last year between forty and eighty, counting the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. 18, 18 games, one of them between forty and eighty <laughs> yards. Yeah, uh, I don't really know what to make of that. I don't know if that'll continue. He caught a ton of a ton of touchdowns from Purdy, but he had actually terrible numbers with Purdy um, in terms of his when everyone was healthy. He just was losing so many targets to Debo and to and to McCaffrey and Ayuk. He was. Way in the bottom. I mean, it was four games where they all played, basically. And he had 16 targets. So that's super alarming. Um, Heath, when would you take Kittle? Um, I have Kittle in round seven. And that's the other thing. It's like I've only got... I've got three tight ends in the first 59 picks. I've got Pitts at 60. So the very last pick of round five. But I don't... Like, I've only got four tight ends that I would take in round five, technically. And then I've got Goddard in round six... And then Kittle in round seven. I'm gonna skip around because I just I, I feel like disagreeing with you guys. Good. So I would like that if you did. Let's do it. It's too much too too much kumbaya today. Let's do it with Deshaun Watson here. And he I mean I I seventy second. I've never taken him seventy second. But yeah, what's your thought, Jamie, on Deshaun Watson? And he is QB nine. Uh, and he's going 22 picks after Trevor Lawrence at QB8, but he's also going 18 picks ahead of Tua Tungabailoa at QB10. So Deshaun Watson's kind of in a tier of his own at QB9. I, I think, first off, I'd rather have Tua. I think there's more upside there. So there's there's obviously, I, I think, a lower floor based on injury, but I think there's a higher ceiling with Tua. So I would rather take my chances with him. The thing with Watson that you have to be a little concerned about, obviously, is what we saw last year in the layoff. You know, is he ever going to get back to that level? And so you got to love what the Browns did this offseason to put guys around him. You know, they get they draft Cedric Tillman. They trade for Elijah Moore. You know, still Amari Cooper, still David Njoku, you know, still Donovan Peoples-Jones. And so while I think it's still going to be a run-first team, how much of the push and pull versus what the maybe ownership group versus coach want to see? Uh, but obviously, Deshaun Watson makes him a better team if he's able to get back to that level. So I think he's a great value. I don't mind drafting him where we take him. But I think at this price, 72nd overall is just too soon. But I think we, what we see with with all of these drafts that we're looking at on this ADP, all the quarterbacks are pushed up. So I would rather, when we talk about quarterbacks, for me, look at what number they're being drafted as opposed to the number overall. And so I think if he's the number nine quarterback, still a little bit too soon. 
but that's I think the range that he's close to as opposed to seventy second overall. And yeah, I've got I think I've got him at eleven. I, I just I don't know how it's how safe do people think that he is. Like, are you just completely ignoring last year and you think everything's going to be fine this year? Because I don't think he has the same. I think Jamie's right. I don't think he has the same upside as two. I don't think he has the same upside as Anthony Richardson. I would also take Dak over Watson, but I think they're like right in the same range. Flip a coin. Um, so I, I'd like him as a low end starter. It's just it's weird that on a team that, and I know that we think they're going to pass more. I'm I'm projecting them to pass more than they have, but on a team that has been so run heavy since Kevin Stefanski got there, with a quarterback who looked so bad in the last six games of last year, that he's already up to QB9. Yeah. Like, what What's the justification for All that? Right. Just he was so awesome five years ago. I got you. I got your, justifi- I got your justification right here. QB9 is exactly where I would take Deshaun Watson. Hopefully not, you know, 20 picks before Tua and Dak uh, and Cousins and those guys go. Um, but, yeah, if I can get him 20 picks after Trevor Lawrence, I think that's really good. I'll just say... It's a bit of an internal conflict for me. If I weren't so repulsed by the idea of having Deshaun Watson on a lot of fantasy teams, he would probably be my most drafted player. But um, the the reason is this. He's been on run-heavy offenses before, and he's been awesome. On a per-game basis, in six-point-per-passing touchdown leagues, Deshaun Watson, uh, he was number four, number four. No, no, I'm sorry. That was four point. He was number seven, number six, and number six per game in his last three seasons with Houston. Uh Per game in a four-point per passing touchdown leagues, he was he was number four, number four, and number six. And he never had a big touchdown year, really. He never had one of those, you know, just lucky years where he threw 40 touchdowns or anything like that or, or combined for 40 touchdowns. So my case for him is, especially compared to Tua, he's going to rush for 350 more yards than Tua Tungabailoa. And Tua didn't have any rushing touchdowns last year. So you've got to, there, there's so much more rushing production from Watson. Heath, I am just forgetting about last year. I, I'm, I am. Maybe I shouldn't, but I just don't care. Uh, tough circumstances for a quarterback to miss that much time. Uh, I, I like the weapons enough and love the offensive line. I just, I think he's, he has proven himself. If you took away last year and you just said, where should he be drafted? He should be drafted ahead of Dak and Cousins and Tua, in my opinion. I think he's fine here. And I think he, I think they are going to be a pass, uh, pass first. I don't know. I think they're going to be a pretty balanced team. I think he's going to take advantage of that and have a huge season. So that's my two cents. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't even know for sure about the weapons part of that. Yeah, I like them enough. I mean, they're pretty – they're fine. What's wrong with them, though? It's the worst – probably the worst weapons of the top ten quarterbacks, isn't it, besides maybe Justin Fields, who was going to run be- for – It's better than yards? Mahomes. It's he's better than Mahomes. So Kelsey's better than Amari Cooper. I mean, sure, but like not. And then so Elijah Moore is definitely better than whoever's the the Chiefs' number one wide receiver. Like Elijah Moore was was absolutely nothing last year. Who's the who? I mean, the then, the Chiefs have no vertical passing game, and they that's fine. They won the Super Bowl with no vertical passing game, but the the Browns I would say have better weapons. I just don't think I just don't think. Just, I don't I'm know if I agree defending. with that. I would say Marcos Valdez Scantling is probably a better vertical threat than. Yeah, what, what I, the Browns I wouldn't. Have. I mean, he's 
not. It just yeah, doesn't. Unless you're calling Amari Cooper a vertical threat at this point. More so than anyone on the Chiefs. I mean, like, like, I'd I, say, I think you can just can't draw a line through DPJ and MVS, and we'll just cancel those two I'd guys. I'd much out. rather have DPJ. <laughs> no, I'd much rather have DPJ. Like, if DPJ went to the Chiefs, you'd be you'd draft him. Um, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> they got like 18 wide receivers right now. I don't. Even, that's what I was. I don't, I don't even know who's going to make the team. Uh, all right, let's. Move I'm on. not defending the Chiefs' wide receivers; they're amongst the worst in the league. But I'm not sure Deshaun Watson's weapons are a plus. Uh, okay, it's, I mean, I think that's a fair point. So let's go to a couple of wide receivers that you guys are have on your do not draft list: Chris Godwin at 58th, and Michael Pittman at 66th. And obvious drawbacks for these guys. Let's see where they rank among wide receivers. Godwin is 27, and Pittman is 32. Jamie, is that not enough of a discount for these guys? Chris Godwin going ahead of Mike Williams, Brandon Ayuk, Deontay Johnson, Tyler Lockett, and then Pittman is there uh, just after that. Is that not enough of a discount for Godwin and Pittman? I'm perfectly fine with Godwin as the 27th receiver. I think he's going to exceed that. Um, I just hope, again, that they keep him more inside than move him outside, which is kind of what you're hearing because I still think he'll, he'll, he'll be able to be productive two years removed from his ACL. Um, I, I'm expecting Chris Godwin to be one of these guys we look back on and say we should have had him ranked higher and drafted sooner. Uh, for Pittman, I'm, I'm still concerned, you know, just with the the offense that they're going to run. You know, is he going to command targets like he did when Matt Ryan was quarterback? Uh, even then, he didn't have the season that I was hoping for. And so with Anthony Richardson and what this offense is most likely going to look like, especially if there is no Jonathan Taylor, uh, could be an ugly scenario for him in terms of receptions, and I don't think he's going to score a lot of touchdowns. So. Um, I would actually put Pittman a little bit lower than this. So, uh, but but Godwin for me, I think, is appropriately priced. Heath, uh, I have these two teams um, both bottom four in projected passing yards, both bottom three in projected passing touchdowns. Um, I just don't think that I think they're going to be bad passing offenses, and and we've talked about it a lot with Godwin. Like he's coming off of a couple of years where his team threw the ball seven hundred and fifty times. A season, and I think that might be 200 times fewer this year, and much less accurate passes. Um, I I've seen a little bit of positive spin about Kyle Trask the last couple of days. Um, maybe there's some hope that he develops and is better than Baker was last year. But I I would I think you take the under on either of them starting more than 12 games. Okay. One of them's going to be so bad they get benched, and then the other one's going to be so bad they get benched. Yeah. I mean, I just wonder. I don't like wide receivers on bad passing offenses. It's proven now they have limited upside. But I bet if we look at, like, you know, wide receiver 15 last year, I'll just go per game. Probably some pretty bad offenses in there. Right? So. Well, yeah, so who look were the at bottom bottom five pass offenses in both yards and touchdowns, though? And did they have any wide receivers in the top twenty? Uh, I don't know. Like the you're talking that, Titans, but... Titans, Falcons, Bears, and two others. I know Pittman himself was twenty first last year, and he only caught four touchdowns. Uh, Jerry Judy, I mean, they were on the the lowest scoring team in football. He was twenty two. Um. I don't know. I mean, just looking at the guys that are being drafted ahead of Godwin in terms of bad passing offenses, and I don't disagree with a lot of these players because I would draft them ahead of Godwin as well. But Drake London's probably going to be on a bad passing offense. He's going 21st. Godwin's 27th. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is 22. Again, I would take him over Godwin, but potentially bad passing offense. DJ Moore is 23. Could be a bad <laughs> passing offense. I mean, 
There, there's, there's plenty of, of guys that you know are buying into. It. And again, I have these guys ranked ahead of Godwin. Obviously, Heath does as well. Um, Terry McLaurin. You know, we, we don't know exactly how Sam Howell is going to perform. You know, so there's, there's questions with all of these guys. But I think you know Adam, and I, I know we've, we've had this you know conversation that, uh, before. It's just what your expectations are. I don't, I don't want to put the expectation on drafting Chris Godwin with the hope he's going to be a top 10 receiver. I would love that, and he's obviously shown the ability to do that, but you have to take into account what Heath said, which is the reality that the quarterback has changed, the system has changed, and he's just not in that same scenario to put up those type of numbers. But if I'm drafting Chris Godwin at 27th, can he maybe creep to 20, maybe get to 15? Right. I think th- those those are the glass half full type of situations that I'm hoping for for Chris Godwin. But I really prefer to draft him as my third receiver as opposed to my second guy. And then if I have to swap him out, I have the ability to swap him out. So I'm not expecting him to be the same player, which is why I have a rank that way. And I think obviously why he's being drafted that way. I uh, I did look at him. The bottom five pass offenses in terms of yards last year, Ravens, Panthers, Titans, Falcons, Pan- um, Bears. And it's funny, the three t- teams that you originally mentioned were, were just the Bears, Falcons, and Titans. And then Jamie uh-huh. started reading the wide receivers who were going ahead of Godwin. And it was Drake London, DJ Moore, and, uh, and Hopkins. And I have those teams projected for more passing yards than the Colts and the Buccaneers this year. Right. Yeah, and I, I don't think that's wrong. But it, it, again, it's they're not dramatically better passing offenses, even as they're currently constructed. They might be. But you're asking... Justin Fields do something he's never done before, and I think he might. You're asking Desmond Ritter to do something he's never done before, at least a four-game sample size, but we all know what that situation is. You're asking Ryan Tannehill to turn back the clock a little bit and DeAndre Hopkins to still remain relevant to that level to make Ryan Tannehill turn back the clock at 31 years old. You know, So there's just flaws across the board with these guys. Uh, but again, I don't disagree. I, I think these guys are all about Christian Watson also being drafted yeah. as Chris Godwin. You know, We've never seen Jordan Love play a full season, and that could be awful. Okay, last guy is Kadarius Tony on the do not draft list, and that was at ADP of, of 78th overall. But just over the last three days, he is 90th overall, and that's wide receiver 42. And it's just ahead of Sky Moore. But looking at your consensus rankings, you guys have him. The combination of Dave Heath, Jamie is wide receiver 56 on Kadarius Tony. So I guess even wide receiver 42 would be too early, Heath, for Kadarius. That is too early. I do have Sky Moore ahead of Kadarius Tony. I would not take Kadarius Tony until round ten. Jamie, yeah, agree. I I think there's just too much risk right now with coming off meniscus surgery, hoping to be ready for Week One. Guy that's battled injuries already through the first two years of his career. It's it's frustrating, man, because you see the talent. You know, you see what the potential is. You know the offense and 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 the quarterback and the coach, and they're going to be very creative to get him the ball. I think this could be one of those situations where. For people who draft Kadarius Tony and he may not play the first, let's say, month if he, if he's slow or may not play much, it's not a bad trade target. You know, if he does become something in the back half of the season, and then maybe you have somebody that could be a difference maker in the fantasy playoffs. But I wouldn't give up much to get him. So just keep an eye on the fantasy manager who drafts Tony. But at this point, it's hard to say better than Sky Moore. You know, I, I said that to you, Adam, pre-injury. You know, so I, I was already trending in that direction. And then now you see, you know, Richie James might be better than Kadarius Tony. Reggie Rice might be better than, than, mm, than Kadarius Tony. These guys are so much better than the Browns guys. Well, no, I, I don't think they are. But, <laughs> no, but just, what I'm Browns just... guys? Uh, Elijah Moore, remember how good he is? <sighs> uh, no, nah, I'm just saying. They, they... I, I think though, just in terms of what what's happening for Kadarius Tony, it's it it 
it stinks to see it, you know, from from a talent standpoint because he could be really good. Tell me if you agree with this statement from Jimmy J in our chat. Tony hype lasting three years is ridiculous, and it's Adam Azer's doing. I don't know. Am I responsible for the Tony? I think I'm a little responsible for the Tony hype. And we're just beginning year three. It hasn't lasted three years yet. He he's really good. I, I think. I don't know. I have no idea. So I do take you, some responsibility for that. You know what? He is better than Elijah Moore. I will say, with you know, you can't really count him as a weapon because he's always hurt. But if he were healthy, he'd be the second best wide receiver on either the Chiefs or Browns behind Cooper. Do you? How do you? How do you guys feel as being on both ends of the trade? Adam, do you feel justified that your team traded him away? And Heath, do you feel you know disappointed that your team acquired him? No, they won the Super Bowl. They did, and he was a big that punt return. I mean, the touchdown, whatever. Yeah. But that punt return was a huge, huge play. Like that, what, I, I don't remember if it was a second or third round pick or whatever it was. Like, take third. a first round pick if you get a Super Bowl. It's good. It was a third round pick that, that ended up becoming Darren Waller. The Giants traded that pick for Waller. So, yeah. based on preseason reports, I love the trade. <laughs> Waller getting all the buzz. I think it's to fine. See who plays more games this year? All right, I'll take that bet. Uh, also, remember, I have, a, I have a bet with Jamie that he's not allowed to weasel out of when the Patriots sign like Leonard Fournette or something. I'm going Travis Etienne over Ramondre Stevenson. Is that a bet that we made? Was, right? Uh, I will take it, sure. Okay. <laughs> if we didn't make it then, we're making it now. The only one I remember, which I think I'll probably end up losing, was is uh, Oconquo versus Kincaid. Yeah, right, before Hopkins. Yeah, before maybe. Hopkins. We'll see. All right, folks, thanks uh, Thanks for hanging out with us. Remember, FFT Open on Thursday. You go on eBay, you start bidding. I'll give you more. Uh, on, follow us on Twitter and whatnot. I'll give you more X. Follow us on X. We'll give you more details. Tell you on the podcast. And we'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today.